0: Dueling Genre Hello everybody, welcome to the latest in a series of Immunities Hiatus episodes where we discuss movies that have some relationship to Immunities. I'm Bob J. Kester and I'm here with
1: Marjorie Muller
0: and
2: Chris Keberle.
0: Hey Chris, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Uh, Chris is here as one of our leading Kickstarter backers and uh, was the one who suggested the film we're doing today. Chris, what was your reason for choosing this film?
2: Uh, So I was actually very surprised to learn that you haven't seen it because I thought that the relationship between Shelley and Roxanne was directly inspired by this film. (laughs) Uh, And then in the second season, the events with... Roxanne's mom, I thought absolutely this has to be based on, like, you have to have been basing this on Ginger Snaps
0: Oh, that's funny. Great minds. I mean once I took a look at it, I had a pretty good idea as to why you had, you know, that it was that relationship, but that's something we can definitely talk about as we go along the Ginger Snap Girls versus Shelly and Roxanne Marjorie, can you uh, tell us your relationship to Immunities?
1: Yes, I played Molly on, well, I play Molly um, on Season 3 of Immunities.
0: And Season 4.
1: And Season 4. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How exciting. Um, yes, I play Molly, the, one of the Lookers, who's trapped with Lorna. Um, by, oh shoot, what's his name? Derek. Derek. I was thinking Garrett. Derek, yes. (laughs) But I'm kind of a snooty, snooty bee.
0: (laughs) And in season four, you get to be one of the few people to have a direct conversation with our new villain, now President Noon. Can you give me a line of Molly talking to him?
1: I absolutely can. Mr. Noon, I agree with you. I agree with you about the separates. I agree with you about us. I agree with you about the unhealthiness of Candace and Lorna's relationship.
0: Very nice. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And speaking of unhealthily close relationships, (laughs) we can get right into today's movie. Today's movie is Ginger Snaps. Uh, It's a horror movie, I think that's safe to say, Uh, from 2001. I don't think any slashes or dashes are necessary (laughs) for the genre, although as you'll see, it's quite Canadian. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. There, were, there was quite a few times. Yeah, I was For a while, I was keep ch- uh, a count on how many times Bridget says "Is she's sorry about something, but then I decided that...
2: I do love how unashamedly Canadian it
0: is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's definitely not trying to pretend to be anywhere else. And for those who haven't seen it, it's visually very artful, I would say. And it's got a lot of interesting things to say about relationships and perhaps the role of women, both actual and self-perceived, in modern society, or at least 2001 society, if that still counts as modern. It's this this millennium, at least.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had thought that it was older. I've heard of it for quite, you know, Chris will be reassured to know. I had heard of it, like, many times before as, like, a film that people had said that I should see. Speaking of which, if anybody hasn't seen Ginger Snaps, uh, listen to this anyway, I would say. <laughs> I think Ginger Snaps is definitely about the journey and not about where it ends up. So I don't think that, like, you know, you're going to lose anything really by listening to us talk about it first. And you might gain quite a bit to look out
2: for. And it. honestly, I, I rewatched it a few days ago. And yeah, the plot is not the important part. It's... <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Because you
0: could sum up the plot in probably a couple sentences, and, you know, you would just so miss out on everything, really, that's going on in this film. So, I'm just going to go through it in pretty much uh, film order, as I always do, and then you guys feel free to chime in about anything that I find interesting. I'll just say, uh, as a side note right now, that, that I find it interesting that this movie was made 45 years later than the last film I had, Marjorie, talked <laughs> oh, about, which true. was <laughs> Invasion of the Snow. Body Snatchers, 1956, and is also different in pretty much every other conceivable way. That's
1: true. That's true. We don't have to talk about women falling asleep prettily and turning into <laughs> aliens. <laughs> but it's—I mean—it's not too. There, are, there are a lot of similarities. I think it just uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers doesn't, you know, directly comment on womanhood in the way that this movie does.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure it even passes the Bechdel test. I oh, think that, that's certainly what... not. <laughs> You would have to, like, really look really closely and be one of those things, you know, like the, the soft Bechdel test, where if, like, you say one sentence that's not about a man somewhere in the conversation, <laughs> then it passes, but... It...
1: Bechdel <laughs> test light. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Which, the sad thing about the soft Bechdel test is that so many films wouldn't even pass that one, but... Oh, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, we begin in what looks like a... Uh, we can see a top-down shot of a bunch of roofs. Looks like some lower-middle-class post-industrial place. Uh, which we later find out is in Canada. Mm -hmm. First thing we hear is a dog. And then we see a little boy uh, playing and his mom who seems kind of weirdly smiley. I don't think we ever see them again. No,
3: definitely not.
1: (laughs)
0: Just from the very beginning, there's a sense that something's wrong. Then we see like a dog's severed foot sitting in the green grass. It reminded me a lot of like the severed ear that is at the beginning of Blue Velvet. From the very beginning, we're seeing the colors are all very vivid when something is bad, which is interesting because once again, this is sort of like drab post-industrial setting, but everything that's evil that's happening would like really shines out of it, which will be important later. And we see, yeah, it's it it tells a whole story because like you you eventually see the rest of the dog, and like the guts are like (laughs) all over the. Trailing back to the doghouse, and the chain is at like full extension. Oh. So, like, you definitely get this sense that the dog was trying desperately to get away from something, but couldn't
2: because of the chain. And this movie definitely does not pass the "Does the dog die?" test. Oh, oh yeah, it's like right, right, right away. They're like just letting you know.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, that was that was tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the second time I watched that, I watched it with my wife Tasha, who's a film critic, and she immediately declared that a pretty convincing dog corpse. All oh, right, <laughs> well, there you go. So that it's, got, it's got a professional imprimatur there.
3: Of
1: all the dog corpses I've seen on film, this one, in Ginger Snaps, the 2001, uh, critically acclaimed film,
3: was the best.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Then we see a, a young woman who we will later find out is Bridget Fitzgerald, teenager, uh, is walking around with ca- gas and a chainsaw. And there are kids out playing street hockey, in case we didn't know it was Canada yet. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she is talking with her sister Ginger, the eponymous Ginger, trying to come up with non cliché ways to commit suicide. And so we have a we right, right away know that they are that kind of teenager. They're definitely in their in what some would call the morbid teenager phase. But for them, it might not be a phase. That might be just their entire teenagerhood is morbid. Mm-hmm. And we get the first mention of their pact, which is uh, out by sixteen or dead in the scene together forever, which they never completely. Define, but I guess the sense is that the, either they 've left this you know town behind them by the time that they 're sixteen, which is pretty challenging, I would imagine or dead <laughs> <laughs> that either way they're going to do it together, and then we get a photo montage of one or both of them dying in a bunch of different ways, oh. <laughs> which we later find out is part of a, an art project that the two, two of them did, but they 're <laughs> like pretty creative, like there's one of them bisected by a fence there's both of them dead at a poison tea party. <laughs> It's just yeah, all the stuff.
1: Very morbid. I want to circle back though, and just say that the woman who found yes. her dead dog oh, carrying yeah. her son is a phenomenal actor. Oh yeah, she yeah. really invested in those given <laughs> circumstances. Like with her, I was like, wow. And I don't then you I expect could do that. There's a response really
2: to it, and impressed. everyone just kind of looks and goes back to what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. The city has a
0: definite, and that like the girls are talking. Uh, yeah, I sort of skipped over. It's like, oh, another dog, and now people are back like it's normal, <laughs> and so you get a definite like sort of like. Dairy main from uh, Stephen King sort of sense that people here are almost hypnotized into not they'll react and then they'll just forget, you know, yeah. like if something happens.
1: And now that I say it out loud, it definitely like plays into kind of the tropishness of all of the female stereotypes. Oh, a hysterical woman crying oh. on her lawn. Classic Marianne. We're just gonna leave her be. She'll figure it out. That's really interesting. <laughs> Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it also fits into your sort of morbid teen sort of thing where you feel like you're the only person who realizes there's death all around you, you know, whereas nobody realizes they ring around Rosies about the Black Death. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Whereas, you know, adults (laughs) do know that they've just chosen to live their lives, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. But to a teenager, they can seem like with the dogs that they're like strangely not reacting when like maybe they just feel there's not much they can do other than like call animal control and say, hey, another dog got attacked. Yeah. The uh, movie is definitely stays almost entirely within the worldview of at least one of the girls. And so because the the adults are uniformly unhelpful, (laughs) except for one, (laughs) we'll get to eventually. Uh, So our montage eventually turns out to be a slideshow that's being shown in class. And then uh, it ends and there's applause from the class and the teacher struggles with how to... What, uh, what did I just... That was very, you know... <laughs> <Yeah>. Disturbing. <laughs> I think said. See me in the guidance <laughs> office separately, which is our first shot that some people feel that the two of them together are a problem and that they, they need to be separated. Somebody in the, boy in the class says, can we see the ones with Ginger again? Which is our first shot of boys are much more interested in her than in her sister. And then we're off in the field, uh, both in the field and in the class, we uh, see one kid named McCarty. I forget, we'll get his first name later, who is especially interested in Ginger.
1: Interested is not it? <laughs> <word. laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course they're playing field hockey, which is like a classic, not just a femme sport, but also we're in Canada and the only thing we can play <laughs> is hockey.
0: Although pretty much, like in my high school, that was also definitely a big girls' sport. Oh, yes, field absolutely. Hockey, yeah.
1: Oh, we went to the same school. Oh, so. that's
0: right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yes, so we, exactly. our sample size is very low, yeah. having gone <laughs> to the same high school. Field
1: hockey. Oh, my gosh. I've been told people... Uh, I I seem like a field hockey player I never know how to take that because I don't know what they mean but I'm taking it as a compliment um, but the the boys are especially vicious in this
0: oh yeah they're terrible oh my
1: gosh they're just really awful very much an early 2000s film where they're just like you know what I'm just gonna harass these people and it's cool like I sh- I'm not in gym class right now they're all in gym class I don't know where I should be but I should be harassing these women Gotta love it. Just yeah,
0: love it. yeah, definitely. Oh, just out of curiosity, Chris, was there a girls' field hockey
2: team at your high school? <laughs> uh, no, there wasn't. That was a that was a private school thing in this area. So. Uh, well,
0: well, we went to yeah. one, so that uh, <laughs> so uh, our outlook on the world turns out to have been a little skewed. <laughs> yeah, so the boys are just saying terribly sexist things. The sisters have already developed a dislike for Trina Sinclair. Who's this curly-haired popular girl, which one of the sisters describes as a basic pleasure model, which I believe is a direct quote from Blade Runner uh, to describe uh, Daryl Hannah's oh, right. character, Pris. So we know that they definitely uh, watch movies in addition to like you know being into Edward Gorey and whatever else they're into, like Fangoria, probably, and like bloody makeup. Oh there's a mention of the beast of Bailey Downs. I think Bailey Downs is the little suburb that they live in. Mm-hmm. And so right. that's what's been killing the dogs is this uh thing that people have called the beast of Bailey Downs. Somewhere around here uh oh yeah, so they get they start describing ways like how Trina Sinclair is going to die just as like sort of a creative exercise and <laughs> One of her posse overhears them, tells her, and then she retaliates by uh, pushing Bridget into a dog. Really brutal. Into a dead dog, a, a dead dog, which dog nobody that just noticed. happens to be there. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> which everyone was like, oh, now there's a dead dog there in broad daylight. Gotta love it.
0: And I think there's a lot of truth here in that I'm almost certain Ginger is the one who started talking smack about Trina, and of course, Bridget is the one who gets punished because mm. she's the weak one. You know, she's. Yeah. The one that you can abuse safely. And
1: <laughs> right. the, it's in this scene that Ginger is like, oh, my back hurts because she's about to get her period. So the separation between like the non cursed and the cursed is starting to come out, I guess. Oh,
0: yeah. We have found out that they're both late bloomers period wise. Yes. At very first, I wondered if that was some sort of, oh my goodness, it's so bad having developed breasts before you did, sister. You know, <laughs> 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 but prep, she's not that crass. Bridget goes in, gets handed a towel by a helpful Asian janitor, who we will see more of as time goes around. And Ginger, as we will see later, accuses him of being some sort of pedophile. And uh, it's just a sad arc, like, all (laughs) all through the film. They plan revenge on Trina, possibly on Trina's dog, some sort of dog-related revenge that they can blame on the Beast of Bailey Downs. While all this is happening, a uh, van from the county regreening program shows up, containing Sam, the hot drug dealer, who uh, <laughs> turns Trina into a puddle of jelly. Like every time he shows up, she just becomes oh so like transparently, like "Hi, Sam! I know Sam. Sam's my friend." Oh my <laughs> He's uh, basically a trial version of uh, although had that film already happened, like Tasha immediately linked him to Timothy Oliphant's character in Go, which might have been just about the same time. But yeah, mm. but anyway, as far as hot possibly friendly drug dealers, possibly friendly, possibly dangerous drug dealers go who, just, who sell to high school kids.
1: Yeah, I, it wasn't clear how old he was, unless <laughs> I missed that. But I definitely, he's definitely gave off the aura of, like, I did more than this. And then you look him up and it's like, no, I, I did this. <laughs> oh, it's an actor? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I thought he you meant reminds- as a guy, like, he almost has a uh, what's his name, The uh, the sidekick in Breaking Bad sort of sense of you know, oh, sure. He yeah. is smart, and he is capable of, like, applying his intelligence, but, you know, he...
1: Yeah. He, like, lives at a greenhouse <laughs>
0: and, like, <laughs> is
1: working with plants all day. And, I, and selling
0: drugs to teenagers who, like, you know, one of the defining aspects of teenagers in most places is that they don't have a lot of money. Yeah. So that is probably not the primo drug-dealing uh, spot. Yeah.
2: He reminded me a little of the waste of a guy in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, too.
0: Oh, yeah. So wait, do you mean Sean Penn's character or the no, guy, who, the, the guy who's kind of like a bookie for everybody?
2: Yeah, that, that that guy exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that.
1: Well, it's interesting. He ends up being really sweet, and they do that like pretty quickly. That he ends up a tough exterior, heart of gold kind of guy. But it's I I find I find his character arc extremely interesting, especially with what happens at the end. But we'll get there.
0: Yeah, yeah. the first, at first, the only good things we know about him is that he doesn't like Trina. <laughs> You and know, at that point we don't really don't know enough like about trina Tr-
1: yeah. i i like I trina. Say, at that point
0: we don't know enough about trina to really hate her she's like at this point she's just sort of standing up for herself yeah, yeah
1: but i mean that's like the insidiousness of femininity it's like all the girls are out for themselves and so you have to hate one of them even <laughs> though do they hate trina because she's like kind of acts super flirty and is all over guys or what do they really hate about her other than the fact that they're supposed to i think that's
2: i thought she was just the establishment i thought she was just standing in for what the the sisters aren't invited to
1: Sure, that too.
0: Yeah, and I think it's very important that she doesn't do anything overtly to draw their ire at first. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's quite possible she overreacts to the two of them, like, talking about her, you know, (laughs) just between the two of themselves. But yeah, she hadn't done anything to really cause them to do that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So McCarty gets up his courage and asks Ginger out, and she just looks at him blankly, which is pretty funny. And then eventually says no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Eventually. Eventually.
0: But this is where Trina starts to not like her because why are people paying attention to her? Then we're at home with the girls and we meet Mom who is just preternaturally nice and clueless at the same time.
1: (laughs) I loved Mom. (laughs) I thought... I, I. I really liked Mom, because I was like, yes, periods are normal, Mom. Yes. And then she got, like, very, very, I'm a stepward wife kind of mom. And mm. I was I was on her side for a hot second. But then, then she comes around. I don't know. I've got... <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I thought that the end really redeemed just everything about her. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a
0: lot about her is a performance for the kids, because mm-hmm. she knows that these kids, like, there's something wrong, and she yeah. I think she sort of feels like Putting up this veneer of everything's fine is the way to go, which is probably a miscalculation, but I think it does... Yeah. Mean that we don't see, that she's deeper than she seems to be because she's deliberately putting up a front.
1: Well, why I liked her so much right off the bat. She's like, oh, periods are normal, whatever. Weird to like celebrate your period with a cake, but we'll, you know. But but then she's like, yeah, your father and I have counseling. And I was like, yes, healthy marriage going to (laughs) relationship counseling. So that's where like, I was like, okay. And so then the rest of her character started to not really track with that till the end when it circles back with a little bit more redeeming whatever but that was a really interesting line and the fact that it was included was very interesting to me
0: i wonder if you get free marriage counseling in canada i wonder if that's Uh,
1: you know (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised
0: the two of them call her pam which she seems to be down with uh we i assume i just get that she's not excited about that but she's definitely not making an issue about it either yeah we see the uh the big boy next door is playing hockey with his dog or he's playing hockey and his dog is just like hanging off the hockey stick. And that's, (laughs) I felt like something out of a Todd Solans movie or something like that. It's like, these people are cute and yet like really sad at the same time, even without, you know, knowing, you know, pretty much knowing what's going to happen to that dog. But, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just sadness on set. Yeah. This is one of those horror things where it's like the world is a sad place and then horror just makes it a sadder place than it already was. (laughs) See, Mom here verifies that like neither of the kids have had their periods yet their fear the first ones, <laughs> and uh, this is at the uh, dinner table, and Dad is discomfited by the whole uh subject. Dad is very uh hands off as far as this whole situation goes.
1: <sighs> okay, Dad, whatever, man. <laughs>
0: Somewhere in here we get our first sorry, but certainly not our last. <laughs> As I say, at some point I'll stop noting everyone ever came down, but at sure. first I just had to. And uh, Ginger is, in fact, getting her first period and is not happy about it. I mean, not just for the no- for normal reasons, but also uh, she says the line, you kill yourself to be different and your own body betrays you.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it on the head. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Followed by shoot me, okay? Which, like, you could say both of those are pretty much the whole rest of the movie in two lines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
0: Her body betrays her over the course of the movie, and she does have to be shot, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. They go off to pull this prank of theirs on Trina. They run across, but I think they're planning to kidnap her dog. Possibly kill it. Uh, Possibly I think they were just going to catch and release, but just make her think that it had died. But they find the dead body of a dog while they're on the way. How fortuitous. And very characteristic of them, Ginger uh, orders Bridget to, like, grab it by the paws and drag it behind them, and Bridget just does it. We have this pattern growing that Bridget is sort of her personal slave in the younger sibling sort of way. But she grabs it by the paws, and the paws just come off in this way too realistic-looking way. It's just really nasty. It Seems possible that it is by because they messed around with this dog that they had the scent of dog on them, which then may lead to the freaking werewolf attack that happens right after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Naturally. And we, we are now abandoning a Jaws style thing where you never see the monster to just look, it's a freaking monster. <laughs> you <laughs> just know, out of nowhere. Yeah.
1: All of the like action sequences in this movie go on just like a couple moments too long, <laughs> and then you get to the end and it's like, this is five minutes too long, <laughs> but it's yeah. definitely like very artful in the way that a cult horror film can only be that we have a really low budget so we're going to scare you making you not know what's going on.
2: <laughs> I think they used all their budget on that very first dog corpse. That was <laughs> yes, all absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that the dialogue just completely snaps off during the, the action sequences. Right. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It is Probably because
2: they didn't have active mics during that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Probably.
0: And they didn't want to have mismatch between the, you know, overlooped dialogue and uh, original dialogue. It only occurs to me just now that having, like, all this extra sort of more gore and more, like, actual werewolf shots than you really need is not in the style of a lot of the rest of the film necessarily, but it is. If Bridget and Ginger were making this movie, it's what they would want to do because mm. right. they seem like Fangoria types. So it's like, no, no, get that freaking
2: monster, put it in front of the camera. Don't just leave it in the shadows. Yeah. So perhaps it's like, it, it's for them. And you know, it's, it, the way Ginger treats Bridget, it's interesting because she does order her around, but I feel like even in the beginning, Ginger depends on Bridget more than Bridget depends on Ginger. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's one of the not necessarily downfalls, but one of like a weak spot in the movie where they're like, "Oh, they're in, you're we're in the same grade cuz she skipped a year and she's 15 and I'm 16 and I'm like, why weren't why weren't you just twins or something because there is like <laughs> that codependency that they share throughout the film. Yeah, Ginger Bosses is Bridget around sometimes, but then it doesn't really totally tell a story of age to me, like you said about how Ginger is just as dependent the way back. So, um. I
0: think as a writer, speaking as a writer yes. myself, I would say the superiority of this over a twins thing. A twins thing would have its own advantages, but I think the advantages this has are well, a it gives a Bridget an it's like Bridget wants to be twins almost. Sure. And so she's done what she can to become twins, like for instance, skipping a grade. Maybe sure. she did that deliberately in order to be. With Ginger, which if they were twins already, she wouldn't have had to do. Mm -hmm. And it also gives Ginger this natural default superiority over Bridget, the ability to boss her around. Whereas if she was the eight minutes older twin or something like that, it wouldn't be quite the same way as being a year older than her.
1: Sure. I feel like the film does a really nice job, though, of setting up the fact that Ginger can boss Bridget around because people think Ginger's pretty. Uh, And I mean, like, I'm not, that's not a reality that (laughs) I want to, like, perpetuate, but that is, I think, something that the film does a really nice job of is Ginger gets attention because she's got boobs, because she's, I mean, they do, they make her up to look prettier. And I mean, Mm. the other actor is just as pretty, but, like, not in the movie. They make her, like, a lot more grungy and a lot more hunched over and kind of, like, spooky looking and, like, androgynous and it's uh, they they really set ginger up to be powerful because of that beauty thing which mm. i think plays into the whole period thing which plays into the womanhood thing yeah i don't know
2: if you've seen the poster for the release um mm-hmm. it looks like bridget is the monster like they have gone way overboard yeah, ah. yeah. it's she
1: looks it, it, the first few minutes of the film, I was like, it looks like she's wearing a wig. They go really hard on Bridget to Ooh, like yeah. set up that very strong dichotomy, that strong contrast. And I'm like look, <laughs> we can get it. We, we can get there. Hopefully you didn't spend too much of a budget on whatever hair product. In your
0: hair. And um, I mentioned there's a self-perpetuating cycle of people from a young age think Bridget is prettier and so Bridget has more confidence and then people think she's even prettier.
1: Sure, yeah. You know, and Bridget ginger. is like
0: maybe like even afraid to like try to yeah. do anything to look pretty because then people think, oh, that's so cute, you're trying to look like Bridget, but you will never will.
3: Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> so yeah, freaking werewolf attack. Bridget starts screaming for help and we have a nice little shot of lights from the adjoining houses going on and then going off again one by one, which could be people actually consciously doing that, or it could be that they're just motion sensitive lights.
3: Oh.
0: And so you think there are people there, but really it's just, mm. it's just like that.
1: That's interesting. Because yeah. the way they
0: go off, sort of in a row, like would make sense with a, with motion sensitive lights that have been sort of set off at the same time.
1: That's true. Although, like we've established that the the film kind of takes like an artful position a lot of the time, and so I mean, to me, that's very telling of like, oh, you hear somebody screaming in the woods, and you're scared, and you go check it out, and then you're like, oh, not that bad. I won't do anything about it. And so, right. Right. That's an interesting story too.
0: And if you're going for like a dairy main type thing, or a more general kitty Genovese type thing, then yeah, it's, it, it fits both of those. So, and and of course, Bridget doesn't know. It could be any of yeah. these things. Yeah. Bridget eventually hits him with her camera, which I guess that's the tool she has.
1: I didn't even know she had a camera until she was like, here's a photo. <laughs> I took, like by accident. And I was like, when was that <laughs> symbol? or
0: used? Well, we know she has one in general because she's the main photographer that's true. for their that's true. their photo spreads. And I guess they were gonna, it may have been part of the whole taking the dog hostage thing. That's true. I didn't think about that. So there's a brief what's going to happen between them and the werewolf. But then it runs out into the road and gets hit by the drug dealer's van. Of course. And everyone's pretty freaked out, and nobody really wants to go to the police <laughs> for their various reasons. She wakes up uh, Ginger, who seems to be doing remarkably well, and in fact her cuts from the werewolf start healing right away. They decide to keep it secret, and Bridget just starts crying, which Ginger seems to disapprove of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Since Ginger, Ginger definitely wants to be above all sort of natural processes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. the more that I like reflect on the that scene in particular, the lights, the like not wanting to go to the police, it's very, like, very hearkening to the story of sexual assault. But what's interesting is that this this story of she's getting her first period, that's why the werewolf's attracted to her specifically. And then this is kind of where I start trying to track whatever the metaphor is with the period. Mm. And I keep getting lost. (laughs) Like, I I keep getting lost through the rest of the story, where it's going.
0: it's multifaceted.
1: (laughs) Definitely multifaceted, (laughs) for sure.
0: And the drug dealer, I think the last we see of him is that he has found a photo, I think they took, maybe it was a Polaroid camera or something, but there's, like, a photo of the werewolf's snarling mouth Mm -hmm. that escaped from Bridget's camera somehow, and he's got it now. We cut back to the classroom where there is an incredibly subtly connected biology film about an invader consuming its host at the cellular level. <laughs> and I don't even... I, I saw some biology films. I don't remember any that were like that, but I was not into a no horror films. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: This movie is... Uh... Very ruthless in its exposition. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very efficient.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The person I was watching it with told me that it was, like, a film about HIV, which, like, makes a lot of sense at that point in time, too. Like, Hmm. still pretty relevant. I mean, obviously still relevant, but, you know. And that's that's just very interesting is it sex ed or are we talking about biology and then hiv is a sexually transmitted disease and we're talking about all these things it's just like the the symbolism and the everything is just like do you get it yet and i'm sitting there and i'm like no i really don't i don't totally
3: follow
0: you we see the two of them in the feminine products aisle at the grocery store you know and Bridget. Surprisingly enough, doing all the work and Ginger just being like dragged along as Ginger attempts to help her, she does mention that uh, one of these comes with a calendar, and Ginger scoffs and stalks off. And Bridget chooses that one to buy, which we'll see that calendar later. At the checkout, they run into McReedy, or whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs>
1: that dude, that gross dude. Yeah, he is. He is. He is
0: absolutely that guy. <laughs> so we'll just call him that guy. They run into that guy, and he. Uh, sees what they're shopping for, and he says, I have three sisters, and nothing takes the edge off like a good toke. And uh, Ginger engages with him much more than, you know, to Bridget's surprise, and she does a beautiful sleeve pull on her, as I call it, <laughs> which is just that, that sort of, like, tentative, especially if somebody's got a puffy coat, you're just grabbing the very outer layer of the coat, and, like, can we go? Mm-hmm. The best of those of all time, by the way, was Scarlett Johansson in Ghost World, <laughs> when she's trying to get Thora Birch to leave this, like, uh, Record collector's party that is just the deadest possible thing. It's like, can we just go? <laughs> uh, so then they, uh, next thing we know, they're all toking, or Ginger and some of the guys are toking up in the back of the van. Bridget's sort of elsewhere. And then Sam, the drug dealer, comes up and he's very displeased to see them smoking in his van.
1: (laughs) You know, (laughs) naturally that people just get into his van. His van in which there are just shrubs, which I'm assuming are trying to indicate other sorts of plants, but they couldn't get their hands on those or didn't have props good enough to do that. I was like, oh, shrubs, definitely. Smoking evergreen.
0: <laughs> well, I guess, I assume he has some sort of actual job That's that true. this is connected right. to. It
1: does track later. Yeah. But at first I was like, ha, ha <laughs> look at that.
0: Let's see, he says Gray." Yeah, apparently, like, the buying drugs from, yeah, Amscray is so high school. The, uh... Buying drugs from him is not the full-service experience that buying drugs from Eric Stoltz in uh, Pulp Fiction is, where his casa is your casa. And you're supposed to just get them and leave <laughs> right away.
1: He must not be can- Canadian. All right. He's not in this
0: situation. <laughs> he's, he's, he's brought American ideas of yeah, commerce yeah, 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 and yeah. He's free traversing. marketing.
3: <laughs>
0: he says something about a lycanthrope to Bridget, like sort of as as if testing. And she looks at him, and she's like, I know what a lycanthrope is.
1: And he's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> and then she says, werewolf right out, right? Like- I'm not sure they actually
0: get that far. I think that's just sort of them connecting.
1: <laughs> connecting. Right.
0: Yeah, I think they get cut off at this point, because Trina comes up, because she she's just shows up whenever that van shows up, because she's sweet on Sam. Of
3: course.
0: And her dog does not like Ginger. And Ginger eventually kicks it.
3: Yeah.
1: That was the worst part about the dog brutality in this film her <laughs> kicking the dog
0: in the face. Yeah.
1: Having to see a dog react to being hurt <laughs> is the
3: worst.
0: I get the sense from pretty early on that Bridget actually does like Sam and is absolutely not willing to admit it to anyone, especially Sam. Well, especially, especially Ginger over anybody, but certainly not to Sam either. Hmm. I have a note here. I don't know what it means. I don't know if either of you... It says, for the next 30 years, including hair, sludge... <sighs> That is a very (laughs) strange thing.
1: But but for some reason, I get it.
0: (laughs) I don't know if it's them describing what's going to happen to Trina, or I have no Uh, idea. For the next 30 years, including hair sludge... Oh, I know what it is. (gasps) Oh, good. They're talking to the school nurse. And like, you know, and she's like, I'd love oh, to ask yeah, you questions. Yeah, yeah. And then she says it's some part, yeah, this is something you can look forward to for the next 30 years. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> that part made me so mad. Because <laughs> I am, so I, the play that I wrote is about women's health care. And just the, that was just such an amazing satirical version of what is true for every woman going to see a gynecologist saying like hey like weird stuff is happening to me and they're like let's put you on birth control cause that'll fix everything <laughs> otherwise it's normal sucks to suck like that was such a good scene and it was an interesting choice that she was pregnant and like that was interesting because oh, that, the, that the nurse was pregnant yeah, yeah that was just like I don't know like what that what I'm gathering from that, but that was just an interesting choice because she never shows up again, right? So it's like... Not that I know.
0: Yeah, they they break back into her office, but she's not there later. So
1: I guess maybe it's like a really strong contrast between, okay, like you are a menstruating woman now and here is your future being a pregnant nurse at school and like that's what you're made for now. I don't know. know. And then... And I'm
0: not going to listen... To anything you say like ginger saying like i'm growing hair in strange places and she's like that's normal yeah
1: exactly <laughs> Exactly.
0: whereas if they got into you know i mean on my shoulders yeah <laughs> but she doesn't I mean, really let them get that far
2: i thought they did a really good job of making the nurse off-putting enough that it was it was totally believable that she wasn't oh yeah going to continue the conversation right yeah. exactly
0: like, Ginger sure. probably wasn't... Well, the fact that Ginger even reaches out to her at all, that's about as much as we see Ginger reach out to anybody other than yeah. Bridget. Mm-hmm. Possibly including Bridget. They're tiny little windows where the normal world might have <laughs> claimed yeah. Ginger, and that's one of them, and it doesn't it doesn't go <laughs> for it. Uh, let's see. The girls have a subtextual argument about jealousy and change. <laughs>
1: I don't recall that, <laughs> just from
3: those words, but... <laughs>
0: The, uh, I imagine there's just a lot of the fact that Ginger's having her period now, you know, means sure. that she's in this new, this new category that right. Bridget's not in. But, of course, also Ginger's have, turning into a werewolf now, which also puts her into a different category that Bridget's totally. not in. And, like, she's not really thinking in those terms, or at least not admitting it, but she definitely has the sense that, you know, she's got something that's wrong with her that's not wrong with Bridget, and therefore Bridget doesn't know anything about it. Totally. And that spans both things. Right, Yeah. But to whatever extent, the two of them were sort of in different spheres before, because, you know, one was the pretty one and one was the ugly one. They're like even farther apart. Yeah,
1: Because, of course, once you start bleeding, you're different.
0: (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Let's see. Bridget starts doing some uh, very uh, movie style occult research, Uh, like looks into books, looks into movies, starts marking dates on the little calendar that was included with the feminine product. So that was great. Ginger starts getting sexy, like, you know, like she was always pretty, but she gets a shock of silver hair, sort of rogue style.
1: So uh, 2001, yeah, exactly. my goodness <laughs> gracious.
0: She starts burying her midriff, which is weird, because she's also having to pluck hairs out of her midriff, like on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, I forget exactly where all that happens, but wherever it is, like Sam uh, finds Bridget, like apparently, you know, they never exchange names or anything at right. any point, and I guess he's not... Certainly not wanting to ask after her amongst, okay. like, the high school crowd, because that would be instantly very suspicious. Yeah. And he I, wants to talk about the werewolf picture. She is not really in the mood.
1: I found his response very funny. He's like, I've just been looking for you for the past week. I'm like, oh my
0: gosh, <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> We see a fairly weird thing of the two girls sleeping and uh, she going up and, like, actually starting to move Ginger's underwear. And that's one of those social anxiety that's more terrifying than werewolves suddenly starts taking hold of you, or at least me. And, yeah, and then sees underneath that she's got a little fleshy tail.
1: Oh, that was just (laughs) so... The whole sequence was so disturbing. The tail, the slow incestuous almost <laughs> removal of underwear I was like what you could have clued me in a lot earlier to this. like you could have let me know
0: yeah I guess uh, one thing to say for these sisters that does uh, differentiate them from uh Roxanne and Shelly is that they never uh throw like a homophobic slur at each other you could like you could so easily see Ginger throwing those at Bridget at 10 different points at this movie and she never does like right good, the,
1: job. good job ginger good job ginger snaps
0: <laughs> i I limited myself to one of those per season i figured i like i, I use for one sure. and then i'm in the penalty box yeah for never sure heard. but yeah good for very canadian of them not to do that <laughs> i this, uh, this is uh, one way in which modern day 2001 canada is better than post-apocalyptic united states
3: <laughs>
0: that in the healthcare system hmm. Uh, she then reports to Sam about the tale so that apparently freaks her out enough or she's just had enough time to absorb that Sam is possibly willing to mm-hmm. be a partner on this mm-hmm. she reports about it but she reports all of ginger's symptoms as something that she's experiencing yeah so i guess she figures that way she's not intruding on her privacy to a stranger
2: and i kind of read that as her not wanting to be approached right. by Sam it was okay to approach sam which makes sense too cuz she's
0: like when she he when he approaches her that one time she's like i'm in class
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. i can't have drug
0: dealers just walking up to me and you know, from a certain point of view, like a, a jealous gingery sort of point of view, like but she Bridget is kind of making it about her and you know, in terms of this sure. thing that he's interested in. But in this case I don't think that's deliberate at all. Well, it's and like...
1: that's kind of like goes back that kind of goes into like, okay, Bridget's intention is probably protecting her sister. Yeah and then right. the way that her sisters would take it is like this probably jealous somewhat jealous, also like angry you're talking about this yeah. with people, but like, and that's kind of the clash of how women are like supposed to relate. You're supposed to have, you're supposed to have their back and you're also supposed to be jealous of them at every turn. And that's kind of the, you know, the crux of the matter.
0: We have a nice uh, back and forth between her and Sam where he's like, well, the ancients thought pure metals purified the blood. And Bridget goes, they thought leeches did too. And then he says... They do. <laughs> that felt like something out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or something. <laughs> so he gives her this little silver ring that for some reason they decide giving her a navel piercing with it might cure her oh. of this uh, lycanthropy. Which I'll just spoil ahead of time that doesn't work. There, there's no particular point at which we know it doesn't work, but it just doesn't work.
1: Well, she rips it out of her body. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: it couldn't have even worked if we let it sit for a little bit longer.
0: Seems like she had it for a Date, I don't know how long a period over which this film takes place, but it seems like at least well, like a month, is it? It so must
1: month. be a month. It's like full moon to full moon? Yeah, because he had been looking for her for a week. So that's how I was like, oh, right, a long right. time has passed. Right. But yeah, it must be like a month. That would make sense. Like, obviously, some, like with the period thing, but...
2: yeah. Yeah, I see that there's. I see evidence now that, that It's probably it like a month, but it felt fast much faster paced pace to me.
0: Oh yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> I mean, they definitely don't show us a lot of sundowns and sunups. It's just sort of we're just jumping from scene to scene. Yeah, right. But somebody at some point says you're fucking hilarious, cave boy, but I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this is when she. Uh, I think she goes up and just straight up propositions uh, that guy.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Ginger proposition sorry? Ginger does. Yeah. Like she's she's, yeah. she's 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 looking for solutions. And so she's she says, well, other people it seems like she thinks this works for other people, maybe it'll work for me. Mm-hmm. And then they have a very uh her directed uh Love scene, I'll call it, in the back of a car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, I,
1: yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and, and
0: we don't know where it's I mean, In a lot of movies, this would just be going to like him getting dismembered. And yeah, we're, well, it
1: really seemed like that. That's, yeah. That was like a really clever part of the movie. Yeah,
0: like,
1: yeah really good. Yeah, fake. that was a good And, and they <laughs> does that a few times.
0: So it's like, yeah, these werewolves don't just eat people.
3: Yeah.
0: It's yeah. just not what they're about. And she reports back to Bridget afterwards, and she's covered in blood. And she says, I get this ache. I, I thought it was for sex, but it's to tear everything into fucking pieces. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I, yeah. don't think
1: those are, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just have to keep it all consensual. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it turns out that a uh, good quantity of the blood is from Norman, the dog next door that the big kid had. So, yeah, that's very sad.
3: It was
1: that, that moment where he's like, Norman? And he's in his gear. It was so heartbreaking. Oh. oh my gosh! I know. But they really faked me out. I thought she killed the dude, and that that was like really, yeah, like, that was yeah, yeah. really smart. But I was hoping he wouldn't be in the movie. Anymore.
0: <laughs> no such luck. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fun. I mean, he's a good version of that too. I mean, like uh, an effective version of that too, because that actor would be capable of not playing that character. Basically, you know, it's like you can oh. tell that this guy has chosen to be. Such that's a true. Like, yeah. You
2: know,
0: he wasn't predetermined to be that guy, but he has he has become that that's guy. That's
1: true. He chooses very strongly. <laughs> <laughs> I think like later, and of course, like that's when things are even more heightened, but like there's a point where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, can you tone it down a little bit, sir? <laughs>
0: Oh, and I guess it's in here that they actually do the piercing, and, you know, you've got, like, G- oh. Ginger, like, you know, interlacing her hands with the headboard in order to keep herself, you know, still. And, it's, yeah, that's it's a really
3: painful. awful...
0: <laughs> and they tape down her watch. tail and, like, do what they can with the fur and stuff like that. The next morning, we see uh, terrible guys hanging out on the bleachers, and McCarty <laughs> comes up covered in cuts. So this is the first time we know for sure that he's alive. And they ask what happened, and he said, Ginger Fitzgerald rocked my world. And,
3: okay,
1: I... I, I, yes, I just don't know a lot of people who are into facial lesions. (laughs) When he he was like, yeah, I was into it, I was like, okay, I'm not going to yuck your yum, but whoa, dude,
0: whoa. Yeah, I mean... It was certainly not the worst way he could have put that.
1: Yeah, no, no. It was it was a pleasant, it was a pleasant derivation from the narrative that I thought was going to be told. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that she was crazy and it was whatever. But that was pretty cool. But I was just like, you have, like, open sores. Out of this. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. Uh,
3: let's
0: see. Bridget tries to find uh, Sam. Uh, Trina catches her at it and says, sluts run in the family. Kel's shocker. <laughs> yeah.
1: When you're in Canada,
0: so everything's a little French. <laughs> that's, just that, that's, just, that's, a, that's a little hat
3: tip to our
0: Quebecois friends, yeah. <laughs> uh, McCarty goes to the bathroom and finds himself peeing blood, much to his <laughs> horror.
1: But you know what? I... It's funny that I had that reaction. Like, I even clocked it in the moment that I was like, wow, a dude peeing blood. Disgusting. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, I'm just so used to it. Or, like, that narrative. And also in the film that had already happened, like, literal menstruation. But I was like, okay.
0: Oh, wow. Like, and I, did, I, I somehow didn't get that parallel. I totally I should mean, have. I, especially since you know. He goes there originally because a friend of his notes that he has a little blood spot, like in the in the crotch of his pants, you know, which is probably he's spotting. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely like meant to mirror that, and it's. I I just clocked that my reaction was so ugh, disgusting. Yeah, like, and I mean, obviously, because that's not that's not normal, but like, also, it's. That, that mirror is, is interesting.
0: Bridget somehow, I think she catches him, like, sees him as he's leaving the bathroom in a total wrecked state, blood all over the place. And she, the first time we see her I get actually angry at Ginger, and she's like, you had unprotected sex and you gave it to him.
1: <sighs>
0: so that would be some support for your friend's AIDS theory right yeah, there, right? certainly.
1: And he, he had, like, a really funny excuse for the blood i remember i don't remember what it was but he had a really funny excuse and she was like what
0: the f- what <laughs> oh yeah that's right i can't remember I can't it remember. either it
1: must have not been that funny but
0: i don't know it was funny within the world as always yes, yeah, diegetically yeah, yeah. The funny <laughs> bridget goes back to sam she needs a new treatment and he's been looking into, like, all these natural aller- these Homeopathic. Like, homeopathic, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Antioxidant, yeah, totally the wrong one. No, no. And uh, he decides monkshood, which is funny. He says, it's related to Wolfsbane. As if, for some reason, he's already looked at Wolfsbane, and he's like, but it's not poisonous. It's like, oh, okay. Great. You're just assuming we know more about Wolfsbane than I actually do. <laughs> and he's like, it's a perennial, but it's not out this time of year, so I'm growing some. I don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> Ginger has, like, uh, made an accusation that he's, like, a rapist or something like that. Oh. And then and he, like, turns to her, he's like, I do not think of you that way. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, the awkwardness.
1: I was also like, you do. <laughs> 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 you liar.
0: <laughs> and, you know, in Bridget, it would have been possible to tell me that you're not a rapist in a non-insulting fashion. It's just it's just fail on everybody's part, pretty much, right there. <laughs> Except Bridget. Bridget deserves better than pretty much everything happening here. We get more shaving the hairs off of uh, Ginger, which seems to be getting more and more uh, painful and necessary. Oh, Trina gives uh, Bridget what I call the I'm helping you, I'm hating you speech. This is where she, in fact, like, says that, oh, Sam is a cherry chaser. And that uh, he's only interested in her because she's a virgin and he only does it with virgins. And you get the definite sense that she might have lost her virginity to him and that that everything we've seen since then isn't her just trying to build a relationship out of nothing so much as her thinking that there was a relationship and he did not
3: Eek.
0: yeah pretty much especially given the age difference because he's he's at least 20 yeah. <laughs> like minimum
3: yeah.
0: which actually in that in turn that makes me think of in the ryan johnson movie brick where they talk about the pin the local drug overlord and somebody mm-hmm. says he's really old like 25 <laughs> 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 played by lucas haas the first time lucas haas got to play an old man anyway that's a great film go see that <laughs> anything else by ryan johnson and then eventually trina sees that bridget isn't taking her advice that she goes you're as big a cunt as your sister and bridget says no i'm not
1: (laughs) i i just love a movie where they whip that word out i was like yes please
0: (laughs) and i think that's almost a realization on bridget's face or at least like it's not often i get such a chance to tell somebody this but I do consider myself in some ways better than Georgia. <laughs> well,
1: it's also just kind of pointing to girls deserve to be called names because oh, they're yeah. deciding to go after, or they they seem to have sexual desire or anything. Sure. And it's like, wow, we're all fighting over Sam, the, I mean, I guess pedophile uh, <laughs> drug dealer.
0: Yeah, almost by definition, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, well, Canada, is Canada weird?
0: <laughs> I don't think about that, no. <laughs> I think even like I was for a second I was like well maybe he was a minor but like back when he was seventeen how old was Trina like thirteen right it's you know, uh, not good not good on any level yeah no but hope maybe he's learned and grown. Since
3: then. <laughs>
1: that's why he's like Bridget. I don't think of you that way because I I can't or okay. else it's illegal, <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: So does Trina show up at their house or something? I'm trying yeah. to think of how exactly that all happens.
1: Which is. That's
0: wild,
1: <laughs> totally wild. Is she
0: just like drunk and mad because she thinks she's lost Sam to Bridget or something like that? I can't even.
1: I don't even remember because it. Does oh no, make... it's. Oh, it's about. Oh, her dog has no, disappeared, the dog.
0: right? And she correctly <sighs> intuits what's happened to it. And so there's a struggle with her, and Bridget tries to be peacemaker, and it completely doesn't work. And then Trina slips, hits the corner of the kitchen counter, and dies. Poor Trina. Yeah.
1: Trina deserved better. She I, absolutely she did. She really did.
0: She definitely had problems earlier in her life, obviously, that she was having to deal with. And yeah, even from but these don't two. we oh, all? Yeah.
3: Come on.
0: She could have reacted better in a couple of situations, certainly. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But as you say, it's part of that whole...
1: Pointing out the dead dog while playing field hockey <laughs> would have been the first one. But...
0: but yeah, women who are attacked by society find it easier to attack each other than to yeah. attack back at society. Uh, we have sort of a comedic interlude of them trying to figure out what to do with her. They take her to the meat freezer. And then uh, the parents come home from their uh, counseling that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) And they fake one of their death shoots in the kitchen with a mixture of fake blood and the real blood that's
2: already there. And the parents fall for it, although they're annoyed by what's going on. This whole sequence seems like one of the tent poles of the movie where they decided this needed to happen and worked forward and backward from it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it is a very well-timed sequence, the entire thing, because then the mom going to the freezer yeah. and opening it, and before she looks in or whatever, like, Bridget's right there, and she's like what do boys like? Oh, right, like, right. Ah, ew,
0: gross. What do guys want? Yeah, I had what, what do you guys, guys want, want? <laughs> but I'd forgotten the, the, uh, significance of it. So I'm so glad you said oh, that. Oh yeah, right.
1: it was, that's when I was like, mom, please. But t- that was so well-timed and very funny. And that makes sense that it would be like a major point in their developing the plot.
0: What do you guys want? And her mom, yeah, falls for it totally. And gives, as far as I can tell, just the most, she's just, they want sex, that's all they want. That talk consisted of.
1: To, and there, what Because I, I would have
0: thought there would be some sort of like, well, the right boy is going to want It's like, nope, this is what guys want.
1: <laughs> that there were three full glasses of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody had drank any of the milk. I was like, what? <laughs> the conversation was that short. She probably spent more time pouring the milk.
0: <laughs> so they go back to this shed, and we get a nice look into their prior relationship when uh ginger says look at all the worms you know as she's digging you know remember when i used to make you eat them just to get in here so that was the apparently ongoing uh, admission fee to be in like ginger's clubhouse when the two of them were younger I was eating were at literally eating worms Gross. so not the greatest older sister yeah.
1: and they lost the
3: fingers.
0: Oh, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> we know that at this point already? Or it's like, yes. Oh, yeah, because they break off. In the, oh, yeah. And they
1: drop off while they're carrying Trina.
0: Bridget's, how are we going to deal with this? And Ginger says, we'll just coast on how the world works. <laughs> Basically, that nobody thinks that the you know, girls could be responsible for the stuff that's happening. Yeah. Do you think she's pretty? <laughs> if I wasn't here, would you eat her? And then Ginger says, no way. It would be like fucking her. So that's yet another uh, refutation of the werewolves attacking and eating people thing. So Mm -hmm. she not only didn't want to eat the boy, doesn't want to eat the girl either.
2: This is the place where it really became clear to me that these two sisters were never really friends. Mm -hmm. Like, they're Mm -hmm. so dependent on each other, but there's never been a point in their lives where they liked each other.
0: I don't think there's a point where they liked each other 100%. I think it's one of those things where, like, they had good moments and bad moments, but they sort of papered over both of them with this codependency
1: yeah it's it's codependency for sure i don't think their world ever let them like each other actually hmm. um and now it's just clear because one of them has their period and so now it's like well i'm a woman and, oh, and but i'm turning into a werewolf but you know we'll we'll put that one at the side <laughs> but yeah i don't know
0: I feel like there were moments we missed. I mean, like when they were actually putting together that photo montage, I could see them having a good time together or joking or something For like sure. that. But, I th- but I think yeah, there always was this sense of Ginger having to constantly prove that she was the superior yeah. one, and yeah, yeah. So that would keep getting in the way. So the next morning, we see a uh, newspaper with the headline "Disparu." <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Which So we're definitely in a uh, both, neg- which is, both languages required part of Canada, which that might be all of Canada for all I know. But uh, yeah. Back at the high school, Bridget gets accosted by McCarty, that guy, who is definitely changing into a werewolf at this point and is not, does not have the same sense of grooming that Ginger has. So he starts <laughs> freaking at Bridget and you think that things are going to get pretty violent, but then the Asian janitor comes by again and scares him off.
2: But he he obviously doesn't have a sibling to depend on, too.
0: Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, he's got his bros, but he doesn't seem to be opening up to them. Yeah, but
1: bros can't share emotions. <laughs> you know, men aren't supposed to talk about that. Yeah.
0: You know, sometimes bros can be bros, man. Bros thought...
1: bros should... <laughs> hey, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm saying that's in 2001 Canada, even Canada, uh, yeah. that's what they were told to do.
0: <laughs> like if Wayne Gretzky died, I'm sure they would be all there like, you know, oh man. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere around here, like, we're back at the house, and uh, she notices some dried up monkshood in a vase, <laughs> and it turns out that her mom got a bunch of it at a craft store, along with other dried uh, <laughs> flowers and things. Of course she did. Mom accosts her and is like, should I have a talk with Ginger? Which Bridget immediately realizes that's going to go wrong so quickly. And she says, she thinks it's cool that you let us figure stuff out for ourselves. And the mom says, I wondered if that approach was working. <laughs> <laughs> so pathetic <laughs> I mean it's nice to know that she is trying something but it's so pathetic that she oh mm.
1: <laughs> worth noting the mom is played by Mimi Rogers who oh, right. was married to Tom Cruise who introduced him to Scientology and is no longer a Scientologist ah. who was edged out by uh what's his name Dan Miscavige so that Tom Cruise could marry Nicole Kidman cuz Nicole Kidman was more famous I did a deep dive. (laughs) Wow. Mm.
0: I still have never seen Going Clear. I should see that one of these days. It's fair. Well,
1: have I seen Going Clear,
0: actually? That's the big Netflix. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. HBO,
1: right?
0: Or was it HBO? Maybe it is. It was on Netflix, definitely. Oh, okay. So she's got the monk's hood. At some point, uh, Bridget runs across Ginger, and Ginger's thinking about just killing herself. I can't remember if she has a knife or something like that she's planning to do it with. And Bridget says, you give up now, you leave me here alone. I would never do that to you. And Ginger goes, I'm sorry, I'm sc- or I'm sorry, I'm scared. <laughs> so that might be like one of the last real tender moments between the two of them that we mm-hmm. see.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Though she's still like from here on like occasionally willing to do what Bridget says, at least momentarily. But this is the last time she really seems to think, you know,
1: yeah.
0: s- empathize that she's putting Bridget in a bad situation in addition to being somewhat grateful for what she's doing for her. Yeah. Bridget takes the monk's hood to Sam. We get some pharmacology talk. Which, so he definitely took, took a couple classes somewhere in there. And then we get, like, a cooking up sequence as he, uh, like, makes this elixir out of it.
1: Mm-hmm. This is the romantic montage in the movie, correct? This is when they're, like, both, like, yeah, they're we're sort of working together.
0: And, of course, right after that will come the truth-telling, which him saying, understand, you may kill her trying to save her, which is the, I, I always knew that you were talking about Ginger and not about yourself.
1: Oh, right yeah yeah of course you knew <laughs> i I love sam like i i I really like Sam, and then by the end of the movie, I was like oh <laughs> there, it just a lot of my thoughts like ended up coming to like head toward the end of the movie i'll I'll get to them
0: now it's Halloween. How nice. This is our second Halloween movie in our Hades thing. uh the previous one was the invasion two thousand seven <laughs> She's got her syringe. She's looking around for Ginger. She gets attacked by McCarty. Oh, no, she sees McCarty attacking a little boy. Weird. Yeah. Weird choice. Yeah. Very
1: weird choice. Just saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we don't even know exactly what that's developing into or how it started or anything. Just he's threatening this little boy. And she... I can't remember if she, like, says something and then he attacks her. I think that's what happens. Yeah, she's
1: like, let go of him. Right.
0: (laughs) Like... That was and so then weird. she jabs him with the uh, syringe, and it works like magic. He's just instantly better, although he just leaves it, like, hanging out In of his, his neck. neck. <laughs> yeah. And he walks out, he's like, oh, wow, i got to get to practice.
1: Which is just, with the way the movie wraps up, of course, the crappy dude gets oh, yeah. saved because this woman was working to save her sister it's like oh my gosh so glad you weren't a victim anyway. and if
0: she had been like entirely focused on saving her sister she would have just let that little boy whatever happened to him happen to him and saved it right. but i think in the moment she's actually grateful to use it on him because that to went. Check. so yeah. he's the guinea pig
1: Definitely. Right. And I, I And you get th- the
0: broadest Bridget smile of the entire movie right after that, straight into the camera, like, yeah. I
1: do think it's more of a function of the plot than a statement, but it does, I mean, if you're talking about women and how they relate to one another, of course you're talking also about how men relate to women. And so it's just interesting how the movie wraps up. Of course he got saved, of course he's okay, uh, like, he doesn't have to suffer anymore.
2: Is it kind of the opposite of a fridging where they're doing something good to an unsympathetic character? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh,
0: man. That's like a microwaving. <laughs> <laughs> you could say there's something a little more general about selfish people do well and selfless people don't do well. Sure. In this sort of situation. But I think what you're saying is definitely
3: yeah, the bigger
0: yeah. thing. Yeah. She goes to the. It turns out that uh, Ginger was sent to the guidance office for something or other things that she did. It could be any of the oh, number of things that she did that. And. Uh,
1: she flashed. She, like.
0: Oh, right. She, she flashed people. guys oh, in right. the hallway. She
1: pulled her boobs out, go girl, in school. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher, like, looked at them and then was like. Go to my office.
3: Which
1: I understand why he did that, but that reads a different way. (laughs) Like, that reads a totally (laughs) different way. Oh, I see what you mean, right? So, that begs the question, when Bridget finds her in the office, and she's killed him, what did he do?
0: Oh, yeah, what went mm. on? That's true.
1: I mean, just out of, I mean, we have no idea. It didn't seem to skew that way, but it's just curious. You know, it's just an interesting question.
0: Hashtag believe werewolves.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> Above anybody. It's the werewolves. <laughs> the werewolves matter. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean... It... He's so Canadian, that guy. I don't. I, I can't believe that of him. But I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, like, I.
0: It could be. I think I was too busy thinking about the parallels between that and uh, a late scene in Ten Things I Hate About You, <laughs> where Julia Stiles flashes a, ca- a class in order, you know, and then like the teacher's actually kind of afraid to take her to the, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he doesn't want to be alone. You, you know, you don't want to be alone in an office with flashing Girl. But...
1: I don't. I don't think that was the intention. Mm-hmm. I don't think he played it that way, but. I, I, it was an interesting setup of dialogue, and so I, I don't yeah. know if that was just kind of how it functioned, and that's what ended up happening, but it's just, I don't know, popped it, into my head the question. It might job. say
0: more about me that I didn't think of that. Well, uh, yes.
1: I mean... Uh... I mean I'm definitely coming at this movie from like a very specific perspective I am a woman I grew up as a woman and I write feminist plays and stuff so like I have a very strong vibe things happen and I'm like oh my god are you kidding me she's talking about her uterus like it doesn't matter you know so I understand I come on really strong with this stuff but you know
0: Back at home, the finger is found by the dad, <laughs> and the mom proves that she's a pretty good actress because mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, you're silly. This is a, just a fake finger, you know, moron." <laughs> and she was always a little patronizing to him, but she like goes super top of it here when we now realize why they're in counseling. But yeah it's one of those things. As soon as she turns her back on him, you realize that she knows that these are real fingers and for almost certainly Trina's fingers. So, oh, I sort of skipped over Bridget. Follows Ginger to the guidance office oh, and finds sorry. dead yeah. guidance counselor over there. Yeah, people probably figured that out. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And of course, not just dead, but bloodily dead all over the office. So she goes to looking for cleaning supplies. <sighs> and suffice to say that, you know, while she finds the, the Asian janitor's bucket and then while she's dealing with that, Ginger kills the Asian janitor. So that's where she's irredeemable, I Which think, at that point. It's
3: just like <laughs>
1: That's your one actor of color who has no lines in the movie, just appears as a convention of the plot. I'm like, come on, Canada. Come on, Canada. You can do better. We know you can.
2: Yeah, that, that was that was definitely a letdown.
0: Yeah. Right? Oh, and she doesn't even kill him right away. She, like, gives him mortal wounds, but then, of course, they start healing.
1: And he And Bridget says, down.
0: he's not dead. You've infected him. Let me call for help for him.
1: Which is like, who are you going to call? Like, I do I, I know. I the idea it. is like,
0: you know, now that she's got a cure, you know, it, it took true. Ginger a whole month to get to where she is now, so That's she could true. theoretically cook up some more. But yeah, so Ginger just immediately does. She does do the, the actual plucking out his heart type thing. She does something like that. She, she like, just,
1: like, reaches into his gut, I yeah. think. And it's just like, yeah.
0: So she finishes him, definitely. Bridget is very critical of her right then. I can't believe you're so critical of me right now. And, uh,. <laughs> Ginger says, I said I would die for you, and Bridget corrects her, no, you said you would die with me, mm-hmm. because you had nothing better to do. <laughs> Showing how they were effectively on the same page at one point, but now they were—they they, seem to be heading in different directions. So, Mom digs in the shed, and finds Trina, and then the next thing you know, she's, she's out in the family SUV and picking up Bridget. Oh yeah, Ginger ran off at some point,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and she's like, "Where is where's your sister? And she's like, at the party at the greenhouse, yeah, which I don't think she even knows that Ginger's there. She just wants to be driven to where Sam is.
1: Yeah,
0: right. So she's using Mom to get a ride, mm-hmm. which Mom should be used to. Yeah. Over there, there's like a Halloween party going on. Pretty much the Halloween party from every high school horror film ever. Mm-hmm. Ginger is looking fully like a vampire from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sam is in the back weighing packets of drugs in case we thought that he might have like you know come up with a different uh, life path. <laughs>
1: But before this, mom was like, we're going to burn the house down.
0: Oh, yeah, what yeah. On the drive yeah. her mom is talking about her whole plan. It's like, we're going to burn the house down, we're just going to go out. You know, oh, the only important thing is you girls. You leave. You leaving, that's natural, but nobody's going to take you away from me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was like, so interesting. And I was and
0: like, dad can take care are of you herself. planning to, and she at no point indicates that she's not going to burn it down with her husband inside. Like, I don't think she plans to, but she doesn't right. consider that a very important consideration. When and we're, then
2: Bridget's like,
1: what are you going to tell dad? And she's like, well, don't have to tell tell anything. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, so you're going to murder him. (laughs) We (laughs) stand. No, that was an interesting turn.
0: I have a note here that says, is Sam scared or scared? (laughs) Which I don't know if that's a quote or if it's just that he's scared by Ginger being around or by like the the sort of increasing intimacy with Bridget that's Uh happening. And Ginger shows up And is not willing to listen to Bridget anymore because she considers them the gulf between them is too big. And so Bridget cuts both of their palms with a knife and intermingles their blood.
1: Yeah, I found that really fascinating how, well, first of all... Ginger has full set of nipples now <laughs> when she's taking her shirt off. I was like, that is, I that is gross. That is, <laughs> you are a wolf. And I found it really interesting how they depicted a man saying no to sex, uh-huh. like, as a very... Um,
0: Oh, that's right, because Ginger was coming on to him. Yeah, yeah, like
1: very strongly. And he was saying not no in the way that guys say no to sex in a lot of movies. It's like, no, don't, but yeah, do. You know, like it was very prolifically no for most of it and then kind of getting sidetracked and then like firmly no. And that was a, that was very much like this is a cult movie from the early 2000s because not a lot of movies would depict what that happens to dudes, you know? And I think that's a really interesting feminist spin on that narrative to be like, yeah, and dudes like can be in that position too. Right. Um, I really liked that.
0: Although, in the past, I've been devil's advocate, sort of giving the dude the benefit of the doubt. But on the other hand, if you believe Trina, Ginger's, like, not in his feeding group. He's, you know, like, Mm. if he's only interested in virgins. That's true. I don't, once again, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, I think it is capable of that reading. That, you know, he's not attracted to her, even though everybody else is.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, she also has, like, six nipples. So, like, (laughs) I don't know. But, I mean, I... I don't know. I, just I think, think your it was point definitely stands. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, no, that's that's true. I But, I don't know. But th- that also kind mm-hmm. of goes back into the narrative of, like, what do girls say to other girls when they're mad at them? Like, yeah. what do girls say to other girls to hurt them? And what's actually true? And what's funny is it all re- revolves around these guys who, at the end of the day, aren't doing shit. Right. Who, who knows if he likes only virgins or whatever. And he's sitting at home weighing bags of unnamed drug. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in his van, getting stoned. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. So, I don't know. It's interesting, though.
0: Yeah, and it took me this long to remember the earlier scene, back when they think things are relatively normal, after she has sex with McGreedy, mm-hmm. and he says, he's probably telling my friends all about, like, what a slut I am. Mm-hmm. And Bridget's like, well, you could just do the same to him. And Ginger just gives her this withering look. You know, It's like, <laughs> it doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah, yes. Yes, I forgot about that line. And that's like... There are a lot, I mean, you've mentioned a few of them, but there's a lot of those lines in this movie that are just like, true, yes. When a guy has sex, he's the man, he's the best. When a girl has sex, she's both a prude and a hoe. And it's like, what? (laughs) Um, The the double standard is very clear in this Yeah,
0: and the next line is, uh, he got laid, I'm just a lay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I know. So back to when things are actually much worse. <laughs> <laughs> if it could
1: get worse.
0: <laughs> Bridget says, now I am you, which is, or now I am you. I think is probably the way she says it. And Ginger looks at her and says, I know you are, but what am I? Which is kind of meaningless and kind of clever at the same time, I would say. Because yeah. what is she anyway? Yeah. So uh, they're walking back and Ginger gets a shovel right in the back of the head. And Sam goes, she rides in the back and Bridget's not too happy about it. So they're going to just transport her to the house. But yeah, Bridget was hoping that she could be reasoned with. Oh, at some point in here, she like actually like Ginger isn't, listening to her much because at some point she locked Ginger in the bathroom in an attempt to like keep her in one place.
3: Oh,
1: yeah. That's why
0: she didn't know that she would be at this party. And right?
1: that's like how she ended up getting so riled up that she murdered the guidance counselor in the janitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And why Bridget that. in order to bring her down had to do the blood intermingling. Mm-hmm. Oh, it all it all becomes yeah, clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get back to the house, ginger fully changes, and then it becomes aliens, basically the, you know like it's just sort of a bug hunt through the house, so like where is ginger at any given moment in every single horror movie there's a point at which they 've kind of run out of ideas, and now we're just going to sort of glide to the end, you know yeah. and I think this is where it happens in this movie which it's a long way through the movie there's some movies that reach that point about a third of the way yeah. through and now we're about like four fifths of the way through this one yeah
1: which is interesting because this sequence just did not have to be as long as it is like yeah. period did not have to be as long as it is so it's like you could have just stuck with that last good idea and ran <laughs> with it and you would have been you would have had good ideas the whole time
0: <laughs> I mean commercially it's probably a good idea that you know like we're gonna get a lot of horror movie people yeah they're gonna expect the horror movie scene so we're gonna deliver the horror movie goods you yeah know?
1: but a lot of this like sequence is just shots of the same thing like oh yeah and, yeah. and it's like okay we get it
0: <laughs> and everything seems to happen sort of twice like yes. there's kind of two closet
2: scenes there's two under the stairs scenes yes. there's like i really i don't rewatching this i was not even looking at the screen i was just waiting for talking to start again <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly it's just very run-of-the-mill
1: Yeah. But what is interesting about this movie is that I really enjoyed it. Spoilers. I really enjoyed it. But um, (laughs) they really set themselves up well enough that by the time she had fully transformed, I wasn't really put off by the way she looked. And I don't mean that in like Mm. a scary way. I mean it in like a low budget way. Like it didn't really totally take me out of the film. Yeah. but again, that's because I was like, when are they going to talk? When are we going to get back to the plot? Because the dialogue and all this is really well written, is really interesting and compelling. And then you have like these scenes of him getting pulled out of the closet and slammed into the closet door, which I personally, I turned to my friend, I was like, this is very erotic. <laughs> like, <laughs> This is very like, he's getting slammed up against the door for a very long time. There are cans falling. <laughs> it is just like, what is happening? I thought he was dead. But turns out. And
0: he's very vulnerable too, partially because he's trying to cook up again. Right. So he's trying to do this very tiny, ornate, vulnerable sort of process, and so he can't defend himself. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's like the point in the movie where you think that something's going to happen between Bridget and Sam. Yeah. Like so hardcore, because he's like, we'll cook this up, we'll get the antidote. You could take it right now, and we can we can kill her. Or okay, you you love your sister, so I'll I'll bait her. Or no, you bait her. I'll do it. And He's trying to be the hero, which is again okay, dude. We get it. You <laughs> you're a twenty year old who does <laughs> and she's fifteen, and but it's very much like seems like it's leading to not necessarily a climactic moment between the two of them, but definitely like something is here, and then right. he gets yanked out of the room and <laughs> murdered. <laughs> well, I mean, not quite yet. But right,
0: right. That was, yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely, like, have him murdered in stages, you know, oh like so gosh. that they can, like, extend this as much as possible. Oh, my
1: gosh. And when she's following the blood trail of him, I'm like... That's a lot of blood. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! I know people have a lot of blood, but it's a, kind of an. I wasn't thinking this, but thinking of it now, how the movie starts with the period thing and how blood is featured throughout. It's like it's an interesting kind of. I don't know. Not even a parallel. Just an interesting choice, I guess.
0: Right. So you narrated us nicely through a I'm bunch sorry. of that. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's very good. so but yeah I mean so you know enough people have died that it's no longer a will ginger kill somebody or not thing obviously she'll kill absolutely anybody except possibly Bridget yeah that's like the only real moment of tension because there's no question that she'll kill Sam if she gets a chance
1: oh my
0: gosh you know there's twists and turns and then eventually she finds Bridget just like sort of hanging out with Sam who's bleeding like there uh, like against the wall
1: yeah Uh... and
0: Bridget kneels next to him and starts licking the blood ginger's fully bestial at this point And Ginger sort of looks on approvingly, kind (laughs) of?
1: It was a very, this is the moment I was like, can we cut this short? (laughs) It's not, you know what? I, this whole scene, there were, this whole sequence, there were moments I was like, that's kinky, that's erotic, that's, you know. And this is the moment I was like, you know what, I'm not into that, but I'm sure there are people who are (laughs) into that. And she's just like, pulling the blood, which is thick. It's thick blood, which I know blood is thick, but it's very thick. Yeah, it's got
0: bits of tissue in it. Actually, now that I think about it, it makes me think of the nurse, when the nurse is talking about all the different viscosities of blood that you'll get during different parts of your period. That
1: makes so much Mm. sense. And so she's like, She's scooping like like, it off of the ground <laughs> and licking it, and there's like it felt like five minutes. It couldn't have been that long, but very weirdly long.
0: Yeah, sludgy discharge is what you have been clear.
1: And Sam is just like
0: <laughs>
1: okay, like you do you, I guess. <laughs> um
0: but, but yeah, she's theoretically yeah. like waiting for the the Ginger's guard to be down far enough that she can jab her. Yeah. Um but Unfortunately, Bridget's gag reflex is too too much for, like, bits of tissue going down with the blood. So she gags, and Ginger looks uh, suspicious and reacts by finishing Sam off, by uh, putting her claw through his throat. And then we get some more alien-style business as she's squeezing through things, like, uh, looking kind of Shelley Duvall in The Shining, actually. I was
1: thinking not... I was thinking that she looked like Shelley Duvall the whole time. Because I was like, <laughs> where, she?" it looks like she's in a GIF or in a photo I've seen. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just Shelley Duvall.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, if this narrative about Sam being a creepy, I only date virgins dude stands true, then good thing he died.
0: Like <laughs> <laughs> Probably saved some girls from yeah, a very bad start to their uh, love life. Yeah. See, uh, eventually Bridget locks herself into the, their bedroom, her and Ginger's bedroom, with a knife in one hand and syringe in another, and says, I'm not dying in this room with you. And Ginger comes at her, and it turns out that she, uh, I think she stabs Ginger. She does. Yeah. Falls yeah. on the knife. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And then Ginger uh, lies on the ground and is slowly uh, dying, and uh, Bridget just rests her head on her theoretically, to comfort her, one assumes, or perhaps just to have that last bit of togetherness, but definitely with the sense that she is not planning on killing herself with her, therefore breaking the pact.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And that is the end of the movie, almost surprisingly, after all that took too long. It's like, oh, wait, it's over? I know, I know.
1: (laughs) Well, but she also doesn't take the... Shot. Yeah,
0: she neither gives it to Ginger nor puts gives it to herself. Which it's is like yeah. an interesting choice yeah.
1: to end the movie that way, because who knows what happens after. But definitely begs the question, does she like allow herself to turn into that? Or does she take the immunity thing?
0: Well, the weird thing is, I, uh, I think it was two years after this movie.
1: Oh, there's a sequel. <laughs> they made a sequel, a sequel
0: and a prequel back-to-back back the same year. Both of which has both of those actresses in it. which Ginger I Ginger is...
1: Snaps Back, which I love.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ginger <laughs> Snaps Back is, in a way, the more bizarre one. It's more like in the tradition of some anime things, which is like, it's kind of the same story, but 100 years earlier. Oh, weird. Uh... <laughs> or, but, you know, not exactly the same story, but a story yeah. along the same line, lo- you know, with those same sisters 100 years earlier and no... Explanation as to them having any particular connection to the first story. It's, so it's just like, like, like an we want to, bring, but it, I, I like that they realize that those two actresses were necessary if you're going to do it again.
1: Oh yeah, they,
0: they definitely
1: have great chemistry, obviously. But those characters are really compelling to watch, and their relationship, obviously, as we have discussed, is interesting to watch and begs a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. and I
0: think in Ginger Snaps Back, uh, Ginger is basically a voice in Bridget's head.
1: Ah. Uh. Oh, interesting!
0: And uh, amongst other things, tells her that the monk's is a treatment, not a cure. So oh. it's like the uh, what do you call it? AZT for for if, if it's mm-hmm. an AIDS type well, situation. There you go. And so both she and Macready are like a danger to the world, but you know some new kind monsters coming in too. And
1: <sighs> golly!
0: So I I'm actually going to watch that one. I mean I found this interesting enough. I'm definitely going to watch those two. So thank you, Chris. First of all. For recommending this. This was yeah. a really interesting
2: watch. Of course. I absolutely loved this movie. And I watched both of the, the sequel and the prequel. And I don't remember anything about them. So. <laughs> so they don't stand out as much. <laughs> but this. I, the thing that I love about this movie. Is just the relationships between the characters. And how none of the relationships are one note relationships. They're all Mm-mm. moving through the movie.
3: Mm-hmm
1: that's definitely true and like even the characters that exist as tropes like the Trinas and the whatever his that dude that gross dude that ends up living um, for that matter yeah uh, yeah, that like they are just as compelling and um I think that's a testament to the writing mostly but also the actors for the most part I thought were pretty cool to watch pretty fantastic I think my biggest thing going away from this movie I <laughs> that the, the person I was watching it with I was like so do you have any thoughts because I was thinking okay I'm gonna have to go do this podcast I want to have a little bit of fodder and he was like no I, I don't think it means anything
0: <laughs> I'd say that's definitely selling it short, yeah.
1: I think he just thought it was a bad movie, which I can understand. I mean, it it definitely has the vibe of, I mean, it, it's a cult movie, so people hate it, you know? Like <laughs> There are people who are going to watch it and be like, that's bad, I get it. And so I think that he just took it as, like, a bad horror movie, and I was very, like, I was like, no, there's stuff about it that it's, like, very, there are a lot of things about it. And he was like, okay, yeah, exp- tell me, I'm really interested. <laughs> and I, at the time, I was like, I, I can't i can't explain it (laughs) i can't put my finger on it and i think that's both what i like about it and what i'm frustrated by is that the symbolism and this um idea of a period being a curse that um, femininity and womanhood is this really major, I mean, like a, a werewolf, like it ends up turning you into like this sex filled monster or whatever. It's like, it's really interesting. And I have, I'm having trouble, like, my synapses are having trouble making all the connections to how far the metaphor goes. But I also find that interesting and definitely worth like a second watch for that reason.
0: Well, that's great, and yeah, and I'd say as a metaphor, it's not a strict one to one.
1: It's definitely not right. to one-to-one. anything,
0: which is that's really good because anything where it is, those are the movies that get forgotten. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but I also find it a little. I wish it were a little more one to one or a little more clear because I'm like, okay. Well, first of all, I'm interested in this first werewolf. This like, oh yeah, we who know was nothing that? about. Yeah, who was that? And because why... they don't
0: revert to human like uh, like some werewolves do, so we have no idea who they had, every even though a man or a woman or anything.
1: Yeah, and like, what Why do? Wh- what is the difference between people without their period, people with their period who haven't been bitten by? a werewolf and then the people who have been bitten and have their period like that is the relationship i'm i'm finding interesting to mm-hmm. explore because i'm like okay I get this very large discrepancy between society tells you once you have your period you're a woman you shouldn't have sex or you should have sex but people shouldn't know you have sex now you're a vessel for like baby making and you have to act a certain way and be sexy and whatever and then like if you don't have your period you're still a little girl but at the same time you're feeling those pressures but then you have this middle gallery of people who have their period who are subscribing to the same kind of ideas that the werewolf is epitomizing very Strongly, mm. but is normal in the sense that like they're human. But maybe that's the thing is that they're trying to just heighten that mm-hmm. sense. They're trying to heighten the Trina. Um, but I don't know.
0: Well, very cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lots of words.
0: As far as the immunities parallel goes, I think it's. I mean, I'd say Roxanne and Shelley are better sisters as a pair <laughs> than. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's not too hard to be. I mean, I think they get saved in a way because the power dynamic is a little scrambled between them because Mm -hmm. Shelly's kind of the more extroverted and popular one until she becomes an alien, but like, you know, was. And so Roxanne wasn't totally able to bully her because Shelly had sort of the rest of the world probably thought that Shelly was the cooler sister, but she's still the little sister. And so as a result, the two of them have a dynamic rather than a
2: domination, I guess you would say. The thing that really cemented it for me is that moment when they've just put Trina in the freezer and all of a sudden that's the moment where Bridget becomes the protagonist of the film and she's her relationship with her entire family has changed at that moment Mm -hmm. and now it's her trying to navigate this world where she's still trying to care for and protect her family but none of them are aligned with what she's doing uh-huh. Right. Yeah.
3: Hmm.
0: And the only person in the world, yeah, who's remotely helpful is Sam, who from all outward signs would be the person you would want to stay away from. Sure. Which is probably how a lot of teenagers feel. <laughs> <in various times. laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know I've been talking a lot about, like, female relationships, but that's definitely present in season three between Candace and Molly and Lorna Mm. very, like, potently for me because we have Molly who, granted, the motivations are different because there's, well, I'm a looker and you're a human and whatever, but that indignance and... um, anger for the sake of anger or like that these feelings should be here because that's how I'm supposed to treat you Well, that does come from a lot from the circumstances obviously it speaks a lot of truth to the way that women are trained to treat one another because mm-hmm. then you have Candace and Lorna who have like an extremely close relationship so close that it ends up being like uh-huh. very um, codependent in the end so yeah that, that's mm-hmm. definitely where I see that
0: yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in terms of the three of them yeah. and, like, them having sort of a sisterly relationship. Although sure. I do remember when we were recording the fourth season talk show mm-hmm. thing, yeah. and right at the beginning where Molly sort of, like, will insert herself into like other people's questions yes. and stuff like that, I uh, I remember giving you the direction. Think middle child syndrome. Yes, Molly
1: <laughs> is certainly a middle child. <laughs> Absolutely. Of three girls, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's like the idea of wanting to stand out, but wanting to assimilate at the same time. (laughs) That's very present for Molly in that scene, I think. And Molly's entire character, really, is this idea that everybody should be the same and that nobody should stand out. And if you stand out, you're bad for it. Right. But also, of course, wanting, as as all humans do, not just women, but like as all humans do, wanting to be unique and wanting to have some component of yourself that stands out, wanting to be remembered.
3: Yeah.
0: And then on the other hand, you have the scene with her in Noon.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And,
0: you know, I had you read the scene, the the line that I had you read at the beginning, which is kind of terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, thing for somebody to say, is the lowest audience sympathy point for her. Because right after that is when she says, okay, all of this, I agree with you about terrible person, but... I can't help you because yeah. I can't go against Candace and Lorna because I know that they're good people. You know, that that shows that she's, you know, that would be her moment where she could have been ginger. But there's this guy who can make every negative in my life into a positive suddenly, you know, if so, and all I have to do is abandon these two people. Right. For sure who never did what I said, mm-hmm. like, you know, I always went in a different direction. But on the other hand, I know good from bad, and I know that they're good people, and that's why I'm not going to do that. For
3: sure, for sure. Yeah,
2: that moment changed my opinion about Molly uh, radically.
3: Yeah.
1: Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as Molly, I love Molly, I'm, but I'm also the actor playing Molly, so she's incredibly compelling. Right. I loved playing Molly in season three because she is that, not the villain but dances that line of being chaotic neutral like lawful evil where you're not sure where she could go and i that's that's very compelling and then to have her be like okay but i have allegiances and it's to these girls that i spent a lot of time with and even though i hate them it's because i love them because hate and love are not <laughs> not right. opposites um just the same thing um
0: yeah, and I guess I said earlier in this film, this is sort of the moment where, as I say, Bridget and Ginger are bound together by mm-hmm. being sort of attacked by society. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, and Trina, I guess, in a way, I but mm-hmm. then when it comes time to strike out at somebody, they tend to strike out at each other rather mm-hmm. than back at society, because striking out at society is scary. Right. mm-hmm. And in their case, even back in season three, Lorna and Candace are plotting to take on Derek. And Molly, much as she's willing to complain about the situation, she's not willing to do that. Yeah. On her own, anyway. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, thank you guys so much for taking part in this. Thank you, Chris, for your support of the show yes. and keeping us going <laughs> season after season. Thank you so much for such um, an amazing
2: show. I just, oh. um, <laughs> it is, I was so excited at... Being able to support doing three seasons back to back, that was just an amazing opportunity. Mm.
3: That's
0: awesome. Well, I hope you like the fifth season as much as the fourth. That should be coming in just a few weeks.
3: Woo!
0: And also, it was really great to talk to you, Chris. I, like, we've been internet friends, like back to Live yeah. Journal, you know, which is a place where. <laughs> oh pe- my
3: gosh! Because that's,
0: you know, that's a place where pe- you don't know people, but you do tend to have really interesting discussions. Mm-hmm. That was sort of what Live Journal's positive was. And I don't know if there's really a place for that on the internet anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's funny because every once in a while I'd look back at an old post and there'd be CDK, (laughs) you know, like saying something interesting Mm -hmm. about it. So that was great. So Marjorie, would you like to tell people about things that you're involved with?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mentioned I am a playwright, and my play Little Space, or the Daddy Play, is going to be produced in May, uh, May 4th through the 24th, at the Greenhouse Theater by my theater company, Nomad's Art Collective. So you can catch my very feminist, very angry, very my body is my body work. It's not that angry, but... um, uh, Then And you can follow me on Instagram at Ides of Marge.
0: (laughs) M-A-R-G-E.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: (laughs) Well, and uh, thank you all at home for listening. There'll be another episode soon, unless it's the last episode, in which case, because I don't know which... uh, Actually, this is probably going to be the last of the hiatus episodes. so the next time you hear us, we'll probably be back at the show, which will be an interesting departure. Uh, As you may have noticed, uh, about half of our regular characters weren't in season four so who knows what they may have been doing i'm doing a little book four book five of game of thrones thing so hopefully that doesn't make people pessimistic about like season six ever coming out in the meantime i'm not dying in this room with you dueling genre